0: Eagles Entertainment.
1: Eagle Eye in the Sky is fueled by Gatorade, the official sports drink of the Philadelphia Eagles.
0: Give me everything you got! Play fast, play hard. Let's beat these boys tonight in the house. It's pulling it It's He's pulling Let's go! Touchdown! You are listening to the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast. Now here's your host, Brand Duffy.
1: That's right, another week, and it's Combine Week as the Eagle on the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade, continues. I'm Fran Duffy, and I think we've got a great show for you here on episode number 231. At the top of this week's show, we've got Chalk Talk, where I chat with two Division I strength coaches. First, I'm going to catch up with Coach Tony Decker. Coach Decker and I go back way, way, way long time ago to when I first started at Temple, 2006. He's the former National Strength Coach of the Year. During his time at the University of Virginia, has coached a ton of future first round draft picks throughout the course of his career as a strength coach. He's now down at Coastal Carolina and we're also going to catch up with Brandon Horrigan who's the Director of Sports Performance at Wake Forest University. So we're going to talk with both guys just about the, the combine drills, the athletic testing we're going to see this week out in Indianapolis. Those six drills, the 40, the shuttles, the jumps, what do those mean? How do they translate to the football field? We're going to see what these guys from their backgrounds as strength coaches are able to get when these players when these athletes put out big-time numbers, what does that mean? How does it translate to the football field? I'll throw some of my tidbits and my takeaways in as we get through it. We're going to get right into the top here. It's time for Chalk Talk.
0: Let's get down to business. It's time for Chalk Talk.
1: All right, so I'm really excited for for this conversation because uh, we're going to do a little bit differently too than we did last week. Because Remember last week we did the combine training process with Brent Calloway and Brian McCall and I tossed to both of those interviews individually and we'll let them all play out. This one, we're going to kind of weave in and out with all of their answers with both Coach Deck and Coach Horrigan because I want you guys to have some takeaways from each drill as a whole so you can hopefully learn something as I did from these conversations. So we're going to start with the 40-yard dash, the most celebrated event that goes on out in Indianapolis a little bit overhyped in my opinion but we'll start with Coach Deck then we'll go to Coach Horgan we'll get their thoughts on the 40. All right so I first want to bring in uh, Coach Tony Decker. Coach Deck and I go way back. Uh, Coach Deck you and I first met uh, 2006 we were both on the staff uh, over with Temple Football. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast fueled
0: by Gatorade. Thanks, friend. It's great to catch up with you. And I look back at those times often, and they were a lot of fun. And we, we did some cool stuff. Really great to hear from you.
1: No, it, it was absolutely, uh, you know, certainly one of the best times of my life. My first time being involved uh, in professional football, working professionally in football uh, and certainly, obviously, uh, jumped right in uh, during my time with the Owls. So we're going to talk here all about what's going on this week out in Indianapolis with the Combine, all the drills that are happening, and we're going to focus in on the athletic testing portion. And uh, with your background as a strength coach, I'm really, really excited uh, to kind of get your insight into what these drills mean and, you know, how they translate translate to the football field, and we'll start with the one that everybody is most familiar with, and that is the 40-yard dash and uh, you know what we see with these guys. Obviously, it's national TV every single year. Everybody gets gets excited to see how these guys run the 40, whether they're the small guys or the bigs. I want to get a sense from you. When you see a guy run really well in the 40, whether it's a big 320-pound offensive lineman or a 185-pound DB, what does that mean for you when you see a guy that's able to run the 40 at a high level?
0: Well, I, I think the interesting thing is when, when people are being evaluated, players' potential prospects being evaluated in the 40, I think there's more to it than just a final number. I think sometimes we forget there's a 10, 20-yard breakdown as well as the final 40-yard product. Um, so we have to look at all components of that and which components apply more specifically to particular positions of play. Um, when you do look at the 40, there's obviously starting speed. How quickly can they get into uh, their running mechanics? I think the evaluation of running form becomes a, a factor, and then towards the later end is top-end speed or transition speed, as I call it. Um, typically, we're not going to reach top-end speed till after about 50 meters, but you have these four phases we're going through, starting, transition, acceleration, maximal velocity. So you've got to look at those components and which ones apply to certain positions. I know some coaches, for linemen, okay, they'll get the end 40-yard time, but most importantly, how quickly can they run the 10 or the 20? I think that sometimes becomes a little bit bigger of a breakdown. Um, But those four components, start, acceleration, transition, and top-end speed are all part of that evaluation. It's not just the final number.
1: And when you look at all of those different breakpoints, is there one for you? Obviously, it's it's going to change a little bit position by position, but is there one for you that you look at as kind of most impressive or most important when a guy excels whether it's in the start, in the middle or in the finish?
0: Well, I think you look at the start primarily. You know, I've always said and the number of coaches you can you can't run a great 40 because of the start but you'll run a bad 40 because of a bad start so the start's critical and you look at the game today and that separation speed um and that's what's the different as we go up our levels from high school to college to professional the separation speed is critical so that's starting how quickly can you get motoring at a top speed fairly fast is uh, a big component um Probably more than anything. It's also that starting speed, Fran, is also going to show you, uh, give some translation to power output. How quickly can you produce power in in the shortest amount of time?
1: We're really excited to welcome into Chalk Talk this week, Coach Brandon Horrigan, down at Wake Forest University. Uh, coach Horrigan, really appreciate you joining us here on Chalk Talk on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. Uh, thanks so much. We're going to talk here. Look, it's the week of the NFL Scouting Combine, and obviously, look, all fans are going to be watching all these guys running around Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis later this week. And wanted to bring you on just to give us some insight as a strength coach. And you look at the forty-yard dash. How does that translate to the NFL or to the uh, to the football field? And more importantly, I guess, what does a good forty time? What does that show in an athlete?
2: Well, first off, thank you, friend, for having me on, and uh, I, I greatly appreciate it. I think, you know, with that test, it was always kind of a measure in terms of like the kickoffs, you know, guys being able to get downfield how fast they could cover, you know, a kickoff, and in terms of forty yards, I guess that's where they kind of Figured that one out. I'm not really 100% sure. But for us, in our standpoint, it's kind of a tricky deal. I mean, an offense and defense alignment really are going to sprint 40 yards. If they are, typically that means something went wrong. Either tracking somebody down on a turnover or something may have gone right. On the defensive side, they got a recovery and they're running for a touchdown. Correct? You know what I'm saying, in terms of that? Sure. The biggest thing is... Guys have to learn how to prepare and prep for that test specifically. And, you know, the biggest thing that we see is the start, just from the beginning, like how they're able to utilize their mechanics and how they can come out and run a good 40. Really, if they have a great start, typically they're going to finish strong, versus a guy who has a bad start, typically, you know, is not going to finish as well. But, that varies too with positions. I mean, a skill guy can make up for it, top-end speed, versus a you know a strength guy. He may not. He has to you know really have a good start, and that will carry him into the 40. Um, so, for us, we train specifically for that. Combine training at the end when we finish up with spring football, we'll do a three-week block of specific combine training to get numbers. see where our guys are at in those specific tests and with the 40 you know we always really work on starts i mean that that's where it's really the bread and butter for everybody if that makes sense
1: All right, so some awesome takeaways right there to start off with both these guys. And I think when you look at the 40-yard dash, and let's bring this back now to what we can expect from these draft prospects. To me, the 40, as I said a little bit earlier, a little bit overhyped overall, but I think ultimately, look, there are a couple things that I personally look for. I agree with what Coach Deck said, that the start is most important. I I really want to see guys that are able to summon that explosiveness. Can they get to instant speed as quickly as possible? So those guys that have those really good 10-yard splits, those are the guys that really interest me. And then ultimately as well, the guys that you want to see do well in the 40 are the ones that you either want to see working vertically downfield. So we're talking skill players, right? Uh, You're talking receivers and corners. And then also the guys that play in the middle of the field that need to be able to play sideline to sideline. So we're talking linebackers and safeties. You want those guys to be able to make plays outside the numbers. So their range, we talk about range all the time with those guys that play in the middle of the field. You need the safeties, the linebackers to be able to play sideline to sideline. And then you need those receivers and corners to be able to make plays from goal line to goal line. So, to me, those are the positions where the 40 really, really matters. And obviously, look, as both guys mentioned, you can split those times up uh, into the first 10, the second 10, the third 10, and the fourth 10. I think those are, all teams are going to kind of treat that differently, have different formulas to how how they kind of break it up and value different stretches of the 40-yard dash. But uh, really good stuff from both Coach Deck and Coach Horrigan there on the 40. Now, let's transition to these jumps. And they can show a little bit something different here let's start with the vertical we'll start again with coach deck what is it that you get out of the vertical jump what is it that uh, an athlete puts on display when he's able to jump you know 30 40 45 inches
0: well you're looking at two types of power output in both jumps so vertical obviously is vertical displacement and vertical power and then uh, the broad jump you're looking at linear power so down down the line power there Uh, Both of those components play a big role, but I think you also get a good evaluation of how quickly they can transition into a dispersion of powerful force. How fast can they produce that, that component of power, for one? And you also get to look at the evaluation of their engagement of their hips. Do they get full triple extension? Do they have good balance? And what I mean by triple extension, the ankles, the knees, and the hips. Are you, are you getting enough ground-based force transitioning through the rest of the body? Because it's that ground-based force that's going to transition to upper body power output as well.
1: So you're seeing that in the beginning as they're getting, like you know, as they uh, crouch down to get into the jump? That's where you're kind of looking to see that, or is it more uh, on the landing?
0: I think it's more as you crouch down and recoil. How fast can they recoil and transition from the crouching into the vertical displacement? Mm. Once they're airborne, you'll get a good idea of triple extension. And then when they land, you're looking at can they absorb shock and do they have good balance upon landing? Yeah, Typically, a guy who jumps well in the vertical
2: has a good 40-yard dash. That's what we see. Mm. As well as that guy, he's more or less someone that can handle their body, what we call relative strength, so their body weight, they can, you know, move efficiently and effectively at 300 pounds or at 250 or 185, they utilize that. So when we not only test the running, but we also test chin-ups, and we see with Mm chin-ups, if a guy can't get, you know, more than 10 reps and he's 185 pounds, it's not good. And typically that guy will not post a great 40-yard dash. So there's many factors that go into trying to figure out where they're going to be limited in that run, if that makes sense, because the arms are such a key factor in terms of that.
1: All right, so that's where we're at with the vertical jump. And and the vertical jump, look, it's all about, as Coach Decker mentioned, that ability to to show that linear explosiveness, right? You want to be able to see, are they able to summon that power and get straight ahead, straight line? They're trying to jump up. It's not just about, oh, can a guy high point the football? Can he go up and attack it? Yeah, that's a little bit of a part of it, but you still want to see that lower body explosiveness, and that's something we'll talk about here with the broad jump as well, again, starting with Coach Decker.
0: I think the broad jump you'll get some similar feedback there but you'll get a little bit better idea of can they roll the hips linearly especially on line play you know, can you engage and roll your hips and then bring your feet with you uh, many times you know you talk about that second step quickness so can you really roll your hips into contact to produce force And and how that might apply to say one gap or two gap responsibility but the big thing is are you rolling your hips in a linear plane so you're able to get up field and you have someone resisting you opposite or across the line of scrimmage from you? Brogyam's a
2: good one because, you know, you're testing the horizontal explosiveness, guys coming out and being able to, you know, utilize that power. And also, too, a big factor is the landing. So are they able to land efficiently hmm. and plant and not stumble or, you know, land with, one foot forward, the other back. I mean, there's a lot of factors in terms of that and how we work that. And that kind of correlates into them being able to, again, handle their body weight under control, you know. And, and a lot of these guys bulk up. But what happens is as they're bulking up, their relative strength isn't catching up. So you always got to make sure that when we're doing these things, if a guy, you know, comes in, he's a young kid, he weighs 200 pounds and over the course of time, he gets up to 250, 275, whatever. Is he still maintaining his relative strength? Can he do body weight exercises? You know, based on like chin ups, or can he do plyometric jumps and handle his body weight and land under control versus a guy who can't? You know, so that, that's a that's a very key element that we look at when we when we're testing our guys.
1: Coach, how does power factor into it? Do any of these drills kind of display uh, a guy's uh, potential power and what he's got in his body to be able to move other people?
2: Oh Yeah, absolutely. I mean, guys that can put force into the ground and be able to distribute that efficiently. And not only that, but not just one rep, but many reps. You know, So when we jump, we'll use a mat. It's called just jump. And they'll do five jumps in a row. And are they, you know, if a guy jumps on his first one 29, his next one, 27, the next one, 26, 25, so forth and so on, he's losing it, right? So not only do we have to have that power on one rep, but it has to distribute from one all the way to five and staying consistent or getting better, if that makes sense. So that's a big factor, you know, that guys don't you know just sell out on one rep. And what happens is then that can translate, you know, he's powerful coming off, but he can't maintain that play after play or series after series or whatever it might be. So we want to make sure that we're not just a one-rep guy. We're able to continue to build that, you know, so he's always developing and maintaining and he has that endurance. So, you know, in the fourth quarter, he's able to still have that power, good, quick step, and keep working, driving, utilizing the ground.
1: Well, outstanding stuff from both guys there on the broad jump, and I love what Coach Horgan brought up about the landing with the broad jump because just a little bit behind, you know, a little bit behind the scenes here, those guys when they run the broad jump, you know, we don't see it on TV live, right? They they kind of package those things together and they'll run them back later. What you don't see is that a lot of these players they take. Lots of different cracks at the apple with the broad jump. They might do that broad jump seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times before they're able to stick the landing because all these guys, they're trying to get as far of a jump as possible, but if they don't stick the landing, if they, if they kind of double clutch uh, with their feet or if they fall backwards or fall forwards, if they stumble any little bit, the scout's going to make them re-rack and do it all over again. So you want to be able to see those guys that can step up, Confidently, again, summon that power. Go back to what Coach Deck said. Get into that crouch, into that stance. Be able to explode out of that two-point stance, straight forward. That's why it's amazing. You see, like I remember Byron Jones going 12 feet uh, and just jumping 12 feet straight, straight line, and just calmly settling down and coming to balance and landing calmly. To, to me, that's where that's what these uh, sco- these cou- those coaches and these scouts are all looking for. Uh, and so there are a lot of guys that I mentioned. There are some guys that might get double-digit cracks of the apple there are a lot of guys that walk up to the line they get you know they get into their stance they jump they landed on their first try those are the guys that uh it's really really impressive just to be able to see that you know all these athletic treats or all these athletic feats they're pretty easy they make it look simple so all right let's get now into the shuttles and we'll again we'll start with coach deck the short shuttle the 20-yard shuttle what, what are you seeing uh from an athlete when he's able to run a high level short shuttle drill
0: well, what you're looking for there is lateral quickness. How quick can they get out of their break, stop, go, and transition speed? You're looking at the ability to change direction at top speed. You're also looking at the breakdown. If you look at the the short shuttle in comparison to the forty, you want to know if an athlete's quicker than they are faster, or faster than they are quicker, or do they have a good balance of the two. So, an example I would say is if I run a five, if I run a four flat forty. And I'm making this number up, obviously. But if I can run a 4-flat-40 and I run a 3-5 shuttle, I have a pretty good balance of speed and quickness. If I run a 4-flat-40 and run a 3-2 three, a three shuttle, I'm quicker than I am faster. If I run a 4-flat and I run a 3-8, I'm faster than I am quicker. So you not only get their ability to change direction, to stop on a dime and redirect their body and, and their lateral quickness, you're looking at their comparison of speed output versus quickness output. So I think the base is, are they able to
2: turn, decelerate, and then reaccelerate themselves in a low fashion without slipping, without the coordination of their body and their feet in line and being able to be a streamlined Decelerate themselves from a fast movement, then as they break down, reaccelerate, come across, decelerate, reaccelerate. So it's really based on a fact of can they change direction quickly at that weight without being you know sloppy and you know having uh, slips and and not able to stay low. You know a lot of guys that are young and they're doing it, they tighten their hips, they're not able to get down. So that's a good one that you know we see. Hey, the guy's powerful vertically, but he may not translate that into moving efficiently laterally. But again, I think it goes back to the fact, like I'm saying, that that you know, whatever weight they're at, are they the most efficient at that weight? Mm. Alright,
1: so there with the short shuttle. Great stuff from Coach Deck and from Coach Horgan. One thing that's important to note, a lot of these guys with the short shuttle in particular, they'll find ways they can time it. I'm talking about the players now, the prospects. They can really, really practice this with their footwork and how they're able to almost cheat the, I don't want to say cheat the drill, but basically they're trying to cheat the drill just by being able to get in and out of their stance really well and that the, the timing of their feet, their placement of their feet might be able to cheat that drill a little bit. You're not able to do that as much with the next drill we're going to talk about, and that's the three cone uh we had brian mccall who works down at michael johnson performance institute uh on the show last week and he said that the three cone uh, might be the best example of a guy's pure athleticism what is it that you're getting out of that l drill out of that three cone
0: well the three cone what you get Fran, is this you're getting a, you're getting your starting speed because you got to come out of that three-point start so you're getting that quick power output off the start you're also getting a better evaluation of hip mobility as they go around the cones, quick feet on their final turn, and then that ability to run at an arc on a high speed. Um, so you're getting a combination of some principles in the 40, the start, some principles in the shuttle of change of direction, but you get a great evaluation of body control, hip mobility, and arc speed, which sometimes gets overlooked, because when you come around that final turn, you want to drive that inside shoulder to the cone cone as you're accelerating upfield. So probably that is your overall biggest athletic evaluator, because you're getting components of the two in combination in that one drill. The same rhythm in
2: terms of being able to accelerate, decelerate. Also, too, coordination of Right-hand, a lot of guys are you know, right-hand dominant, so you got to be able to train themselves in a left-handed stance. So that kind of gets confusing with guys in terms of their start. So instead of starting, typically if I'm a right-handed guy, I'm going to have my right hand down behind the line and my left hand is up. So you follow me on that one. When we teach the L drill, they switch their stance. So when they do that, now they have to be able to kind of coordinate themselves so when they get to the line, it's So many steps down, plant their, and it's all right hand, right hand touches in the first five yards. So again, decelerate, accelerate, and then as they come around the first turn, are they able to get themselves moving efficiently around a cone to back into a line where they're now they're going to get around five yards around another cone? Are they able to move their body and you know in sync around the cones versus? planning or trying to, you know, have the cone be almost like a person or something, trying to make a move off of it. So what we see is how they fluid moving out of the acceleration, deceleration part, now moving around, and then the last part is how they able to now take that turn and efficiently, effectively come around under control and finish as fast as possible. And I think that goes into a lot, like, specific tests if you look at like, really worked well for, like, a defensive lineman. Like, can he get around, can mm. he move around something, right? And then can he finish and then get around and track somebody down? You know what I'm saying? So that, that drill is really good for our defensive guys. Offensively, as a as a big guy, you know, I think that 5 5 is more an efficient one for them in terms of can they keep themselves low, accelerate, decelerate, and stay on a line without being, you know, all over the place in terms of when they're running. So it, it, it's interesting because that, that that to me is more important. Like different positions, what they're good at. You know, five ten five versus an L drill. I'll take an offensive lineman that's great at you know five ten five versus an L drill. Mm. But a defensive lineman, vice versa. I'd rather have him be able to have a really good L drill.
1: Oh, great stuff from both coaches there. And again, I, I mentioned with, you can hide some things with the with the short shuttle. You can't really hide in the three cone, especially when you get to that second cone. Because remember, it's the L drill. There's three cones, right? There's the the start cone, there's the the second one where you're going to make that turn, and then the third one that's about uh, 45 degrees the opposite way. When you're looking at that second cone, You can't really hide your ability or your inability, I should say, to decelerate and recelerate around that cone. You've got to do a couple of times in that drill. So that's why a lot of coaches, a lot of scouts put a lot of value in the three cone drill. And to me, I think when you're looking uh, at these shuttles, especially the three cone, you really want to see the guys that play in the trenches or in the middle of the field that can have to navigate through traffic, show off that short area quickness to be able to execute well in this drill. You'd like to see good three-cone times from those guys that play, uh, whether it's in the tra- offensive line, defensive line, edge rushers, but then also linebackers. You want them to be able to uh, you know, get uh, through traffic, find, navigate through tight spaces, also with receivers to be able to separate corners to be able uh, to kind of stop on a dime as well, but I like those guys that Play in traffic to be able to do well in the three cone drill. So, uh, again, hope you guys got a lot out of this conversation with Coach Decker and with Coach Horgan. Really appreciate both of them for joining us here on the show. And again, we appreciate all of you that are able to share this podcast on all forms of social media, whether that's Twitter, Facebook, uh, anywhere. Really, really appreciate it. But the best way to throw us your support is to go on to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leave us a rating, and leave us a comment. I wanted to give a shout out to somebody who did just that Adam Arnold, 14. Left a five-star review recently saying how much they love having the podcast run all year round and enjoyed learning more about the Senior Bowl and all the prospects training for the Combine. So, Adam, really, really appreciate that. Uh, thanks so much for going onto our Apple Podcast page, leaving that rating, leaving that comment. And again, also, I wanted to thank everybody. I forget if I did this last week or not. I wanted to thank everybody that took the time to go out and fill that survey that we had open for a few weeks uh, at the turn of the year really, really appreciate everybody that was able to go and fill that out. It was a huge help to us as we try and make this show better moving forward, not just in through the spring and the summer, but into next season. Really, really excited about some of the new ideas I've got for this show in 2020. That being said, if you also listen to the Journey to the Draft podcast, Driven by AAA, I've got a similar survey open over on that show. So if you go on to that show's page, if you go on to my Twitter page, uh, you can go and follow Ben Fennell on Twitter as well. C-Mac or Chris McPherson also has it on his Twitter page. We're trying to make that show better as well so if you listen to that show make sure you go fill out that survey thanks so much and again you better be already subscribed to the journey of the draft podcast because it is combine week we're going to have shows every single day starting wednesday so wednesday thursday friday saturday sunday and monday in the morning, you will have episodes of the Journey of the Draft podcast ready for you, I would say around like 10 o'clock Eastern, 930, 1030 Eastern, every single day. So make sure you're subscribed right now to the Journey of the Draft podcast, driven by AAA. We're going to have you covered wall-to-wall from the Combine out in Indianapolis. All right. That being said, that'll do it. Another show in the books here on the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast, fueled by Gatorade. For everybody here at the Novacare Complex, I am Fran Duffy. We'll talk to you next week.